Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Welcome to the Mind Body Business. I am episode number, don't know, don't care. We're just talking. We're still at it. (laughs) Who knew? I think we're in uh, the 50s now. You should probably know that. Today we are kind of going off the uh, the beaten path, if you will, and doing a podcast together on a topic that apparently is near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. It's favorite child syndrome and the parallels to favorite client syndrome. I like that. We're going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So it's come to my attention quite blaringly that the gentleman sitting beside me is a favorite child and that's kind of a big deal and I didn't believe you for a very long time I thought you were basically just BSing me because you have 11 other siblings and as spectacular as you are Mm -hmm. how could you be the favorite of all of those but in a recent conversation (laughs) with you and your mom it became quite apparent and I kind of had to eat crow the conversation went on something to the effect of <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get comfortable for this. <laughs> yeah. Your chocolate brown eyes that she could just gobble up. Mm, they are good. <laughs> <laughs> and it continued from there in a a borderline awkward kind of like really, really favorite. And apparently some of your aunties are some of your aunties' favorite too. Yeah, these are aunties <laughs> that I haven't seen in over 20, 30 years. So. <laughs> it was a little appalling hearing some of the um, the knowledge that was dropped. And you... We should you be worried if I start getting um, text messages from these aunties with You selfies. should be very worried, and you should never be left alone with them. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Do you have any repressed memories from, you know, family gatherings that... No. no, there were never any family gatherings. That's the fun, funny thing about that. As, as I was, truthfully speaking, I was sparingly allowed to see my aunties growing up. The ones that lived nearby um, were, were, were banned from family from my father, who, okay. who didn't approve of my okay. mother's family for whatever reason. So let's, let's just <coughs> talk about, first of all, let's make you a little bit uncomfortable with you being the favorite child because you've always touted that you are the favorite child, and I thought it was just you joking, but you obviously are. I've never touted. I just bluntly said that. Um, yeah, and your siblings know. Oh, yeah, it's clear knowledge. That's not messed up at all. Yeah. Because, I, you know, we're all parents here, and we all love our children equally. But there's situations where there's certain parents i'm not saying us that they may have a favorite do you you so you have four kids i have four kids and you have a favorite amongst those four no but do any of your kids listen to this podcast no but my I, daughter I listens tell to this them podcast. that they're all my favorite at different times and they're on to that okay truthfully so speaking you don't have a favorite no I don't there's there's things that as as they 
grow up and they've gone through certain situations that I'm like, mm, not liking them that much right now. But there's, there's, it, they each have advantages and they're, e they're each also different. And that sounds like I'm just trying to wiggle my way out of it, but it's true. There's some that are easier to be around, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're not one of your favorites. What do you think? I don't have a favorite either. Both, it's exactly that. Uh -huh. I, they're both. Uh -huh. They're both offer. Um, they're both completely different. My two children. One is. Um, one is very pragmatic, analytical, and very driven, mm -hmm. and sort of book smart, and the other one is sort of fly by the seat of her pants, messy room, doesn't really like going to school, but she's really emotionally intelligent, can read the room, kind of very intuitive, that sort of stuff, um, and they both have a completely different relationship with me. So, I want to go back to y you being the favorite child, mm. still, yeah. still, like from growing up to all 39 years that you're mm -hmm. right now. So, what? <laughs> I like this Seinfeld shirt you're wearing. You're basically like um, in a pirate's gully. Oh, shut up. You know the Seinfeld it's episode? Shut yeah. up. All right, sorry. Anyways, back to me. Yeah. Okay, so because it's, it's so different from how I've grown up, and I only have one sibling. And between the two, I'm obviously not the favorite. I am still at this age being referred to as the sickly child. I will always be the sickly child, even though I'm X amount of years older. And, you know, I was sick sometimes when I was a kid, but I'm pegged as that. I have a hard and time my believing. Sister, and my sister is the beautiful one. Her hair, her face, her everything she did, everything is she's the beautiful child. So I, I think that that kind of stays with you sometimes, and even even into adulthood, you kind of feel that sometimes. And we may all have that feeling at some point that we are the favorite or that we're not the favorite. And sometimes it may just be our perspective on it, mm -hmm. but you're clearly, clearly the favorite. Would you be living with your mom like stepbrothers if you still could? If she knew how to make meatloaf, yes. <gasps> she okay. doesn't know how to make meatloaf. Okay. Uh, no, I wouldn't be living with my mom. I've been with my parents for. <laughs> I left. Uh, my last exposure to parental life was 17 years old when I left for college, and I've never been back. Okay. Tell me some of the perks of being your mom's favorite. Well, I used to get my ass kicked by my two older brothers, who okay. are considerably older than me, and I was a sort of a slow developer, and I was really small. I didn't really start hitting my stride until mm, sophomore year of high school. I really started actually as like, I actually started growing my sophomore year. But before that, I, I was always sort of an outcast in my family, and I'm not sure why. I think it's because my mom loved me more than all of them, and they were all just sort of along for the ride. And then there was the prince child that was me. So I'm just joking. <laughs> but I was always sort of um, sort of an outcast with my siblings. You still are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know why, but my brothers used to put me in boxes and then push me, like, tape it closed and push me down staircases. Or My, my oldest brother, Bryn. That sounds like a really high-functioning family. It was very functional, yeah. Um, there was zero oversight. We basically all raised each other. And I had a, my older brother, Bryn, who I still actually get along with to, the, to this day, surprisingly. Um, he, used to, he had a club that he started called the Flame Club. But I was never allowed in the club because I was too much of a pansy, according to him, and uh, echoed by my father. Of course, my father was probably the one who was the catalyzer for that because he, he used to make me do things that were against my will because he said I was too much of a girl, which is really funny. But anyway, they would never let me in this club. I was always I was an outcast. 
and so they used to gang up on me and do things to me and snuggies and my brother they had a uh, like a a capsule that they had built they dug this into the ground and um one day they captured me and they threw me in there siblings are horrible yeah and it had wooden slats like pallets over the top and as like a four-year-old five-year-old that's some scary ass shit and then they threw me in this hole and it probably was only like a foot deep but at the time it felt like it was you know a tunnel of death and i was left there for who knows how long and my mom i was screaming for my mom my mom found me and so of course i did the honorable thing and ratted out each and every one of them right there in front of her who were the ones that did it which came back to haunt me again. <laughs> <laughs> when you were alone, when your mom wasn't around to protect you. It's a constant struggle for survival. It's always surprising to me that that people grow to adulthood. With siblings? Yeah. Yeah, we used to do some fucked up shit as kids that you don't, are, you're not allowed to do these days. No, no. Okay, so let's talk again about you being the favorite child with the chocolate brown eyes that, mm. you know, she could just gobble up. I told you they were chocolate brown. You always try to argue with They're hazel, about it. whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, how has that affected you in your adulthood? As a parent or as a, uh, just a as an adult period? As an adult, getting on with things. When you started your first job, were you the favorite? <laughs> or, was it, or was it a kick in the ass? Well, my first job, um, so... I, uh, I've always had sort of been successful in what I've done. And I don't know if that's because I was a favorite child or just because of the way I was raised or whatever reason. But um, no, I mean, I've had my moments where I was sort of just in the line of numbers of people. But yeah, I've sort of always had, um, maybe that is why. Do you ever, ever have moments when you're making a big decision that you think, what would my mom think? Not so much anymore. <laughs> I used to think that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But not so much anymore. Okay. I want to go back to you. So you said that you were not a the favorite child of your two of your sister and you. So I've met your sister, and while she's lovely, I can't imagine you not being the favorite. And maybe no, that's just I think a lot of that actually is just the perspective. You know, when your mom's saying things like that, I think it's just the perspective. Because there was, you know, my sister was so much older than me that I was I was the bratty younger sister. She not she's that much older, but eight years is a big difference when you're a little kid and you want to play games with your your sister and they're just like no you're you're a baby so my mom did take pity on me a lot so I but she did make clothes for us and my clothes were surprisingly um immodest i don't know if she ran out of fabric when she was making me clothes but <laughs> <laughs> you was no young girl <laughs> should be walking around with shorts that short you was the neighborhood hoe <laughs> <laughs> pretty much didn't even know it when i was four <laughs> Well, you have, back to your question. I, I don't know that it's affected me. I, and again, I, I never really understood that I was the favorite child until I got older and I realized how much my mother favored me over everyone else. But basically, but that's because my brothers were assholes and, and mean to me all the time. And I think she just took pity on me because so I was. It's not hard for the cream to rise to the crop to, to the top <laughs> yeah. when, when there's no competition, right? It, like, yeah, in, in retrospect, I think that um, I might have been the sickly kid because my brothers were big football players and. I honestly didn't start growing until uh, my sophomore year, so I think she just took pity on me. And because I was the youngest of boy, and uh, obviously the best looking of all of them, I think she just kind of was sort of, I need to take care of this guy. Did you really just say that? What? That you were the best looking of them? Oh, yeah, I'm usually the best looking, yeah. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> okay, so let's let's just dissect that a bit. So the the effects of her favoriting you has affected your ego. Oh, absolutely. 
I was cool with this <laughs> In an unrealistic way. When your mom tells you how beautiful you are on a daily basis, you st- you simply start to believe it. So and, and the reality Those are my self-affirmations <laughs> as a child. I learned how to manifest my beauty. I'm good enough. <laughs> I'm strong enough. I obviously have the best chocolate brown eyes. Look, I can explain this to you, but I can't understand it for you, okay? Are those t-shirts for sale? (laughs) They are for sale, actually. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the perks of pretend that you're not the favorite child and you're going out into the big bad world. What are the perks of not being the favorite child? You can fly under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. People don't really give a shit what you do. I don't think you can just you can just do it. But also, I think when the expectations of what you do or you're not asking for permission or asking for approval on anything, you can make those decisions yourself. If you wanted to if you wanted to go to school in Europe, you could have gone and just done it and not cared about what anyone else would say. Is that favorite child or just respect for what your parents think is the right thing to do? Maybe it's both. Because I wasn't allowed to go to school where I wanted to go because of the way I was raised by mm-hmm. my father. I was actually given three choices, even though I was had 30 or so schools that were recruiting me. I was oh. basically told. So you were their favorites, too. <laughs> I was basically only told that you can go to these three schools. Okay. Yeah. So I don't really understand about that. But let's talk about how that transfers over into our daily lives as mm-hmm. business owners because we we are both in the customer service business in, in, a, in a manner of speaking. We have clients that we take on on a regular basis. How do you feel that yeah. that how do you feel that that carries over that sort of favorite child concept as a business owner dealing with a variety of different types of clients? Well, do you uh, have favorite clients? Yeah, let's talk about that in a second. I think I think both of our paths, whether you're favorite or not favorite, we've kind of broken out of the mold because we've done things that we've not really expected their approval on. Mm -hmm. So so you haven't conformed to certain things. You're not, um, you're not fitting into that mold. And I think that can be really, really hard when you're uh, a young adult because you're not going to school to be a doctor or a lawyer or those things that have bragging rights. They're like, well, we don't really know what our child is doing right now. We don't really understand their path. But I think I think when it comes to the end of you figuring out who you are and what you're going to do or, or following that dream that you've had, you, you may have emboldened yourself in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. So maybe maybe if you weren't the favorite in the beginning, by doing all those things, you're like, hey, he's doing all these crazy things, but all of a sudden you become that fun person or you become that person that has been enlightened in different ways because you've not fit that mold. That's a really good point. I've, I've never actually given it much thought uh, because I didn't have much of a relationship with, honestly, with, with 11 brothers and sisters. There's limited time you get for parenting. Mm-hmm. Let's just be mm-hmm. honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, truthfully speaking, and I, and I think part of my psychosis today as an adult actually um, stems from some of that, you know, my, my need to be sometimes be validated, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd never really had parents. My mom was, was doted on me, but even that, she had to dole out in, 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 and ration that sort of, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. there's 11 people, 12 other kids that she had to ration her love for. And, and that's, not a, that's not a fault of my mother's. It's just simply there's just not enough time yeah. to completely yeah. be, be engrossed in your children. But I think I've never really thought about that from a perspective of 
you know, I went to college with a bunch of really, really wealthy white kids who, you know, were driving Range Rovers and Beamers and Mercedes my freshman year, and I rolled up into campus, and I'm thinking, I don't even have a car. I don't even own a car, first of all. But a lot of those kids were constantly needing their parents' permission to do things. I remember there was a girl that um, I was playing around with, and we, I wanted to go up to New York City and just kind of spend the day in the city. And she's like, well, I need to get my mom's and dad's permission. Who's this girl we're talking yeah. about? <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, but I remember her thinking she had to get her mom and dad's permission. She's an 18-year-old woman, and I, I wanted to go up to New York City for the day and just spend the day and spend the night. She's like, well, I need to get my mom's. And I'm like, you're 18 years old. You're in college. You don't. I, I never even. It's not even a mm-hmm. consideration mm-hmm. that crossed my mind because I never asked for my parents' permission as, an mm-hmm. adult, as a young adult. I just kind of did what I did. So in that case, too, then you're exceeding expectations and all because they don't really expect anything from you either. Yeah, that's a really good conversation. We should probably have a psychologist on this call because I wonder how much how much of that psychology of me sort of just kind of always flying under the radar at my parents growing up because I didn't have a lot of parental oversight in a sense of l- let me reframe that my parents, my dad was incredibly strict, but there wasn't a lot of parental oversight in terms of, you know, love and tenderness and anything like that it was just kind of like always disciplined Mm -hmm. and so you know the you know the saying the tighter you squeeze the more water the the more water seeps through so i was always sort of rebelling against that nonsense these ridiculous laws that he had put in place and so none of my other siblings did with the exception of one of my brothers um and so i that sort of may have an effect on how i have lived my life i've just kind of always done my own thing i've Mm -hmm. never really sought other people's approval for it Okay, so going back to deal with clients that aren't your number one favorite. Well, it's a fine balance because you you clearly have favorite clients. And and it's not that you have a favorite client because you meet all these people in the same capacity. But just like we're humans, right? Mm -hmm. We connect with people on different levels and different personalities mesh and don't. So you have to be able to separate yourself from that I think that you can't have a bias you have to allow you can't allow the your emotional connection with people to get in the way of the qualitative service that you offer even though it's terribly difficult at times because you have you have a level of service that you offer people and some people appreciate that more than other and and mm-hmm. a vanity metric as us we're like oh, they really like what we're doing for them right That's exactly what I was gonna say I think our egos get in the way sometimes Oh, spot on. As soon as they appreciate you, you're like a, like a puppy and you're like, <laughs> you know, I'll give you more. I'll give you more because you love me. Yeah. But it's but uh, again, that's human nature. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but also it, it's about respect. You know, you're, if, mm-hmm. if a client doesn't respect what you do, maybe we should be more maybe we should be more filtering and who we hire, Absolutely. perhaps. Um, and that's not to say that – and I, I've, I've been 98% blessed of, of my clients. I have had some not so – I have had some not fun clients mm-hmm. in my history as mm-hmm. in the photography world. But like anything else, you know, you have to figure out a way to work with that. Absolutely. If, the, if you're taking their money and providing them a service – you have to somehow remain neutral and not allow your emotions or your ego to get mm-hmm. in the way. And I think that's something that we just need to be aware of. Like, if they're not our favorite, why are they not our favorite? Is there something that we're not doing to service them properly? Are we leaving gaps in it? Are we are we not connecting with them enough? Are we not uh, getting their feedback on things? How are we not servicing them? Don't they know who you think you are? I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
So I think the takeaway for this is, is a fun podcast, it, but I think the takeaway is, is you have to remain neutral. And if you yeah. really truthfully know up front that they're a bad fit for you, mm-hmm. then you have to be able to part ways. And we discussed before as well the, the, the principle behind it's easier to retain a client than go out and get a new client. Mm. So maybe that's the mindset as well. That just to be aware, if we're if we're feeling that someone's not our favorite client or not our favorite person, even what are we doing? It's it's easier to to you know swallow some of our pride maybe or whatever or take our ego out of the equation to keep that relationship strong and keep it going, whether they're they're your favorite or not. And just like our kids, it it, it ebbs and flows. So s- there's moments that people are your favorite, clients are your favorite, and moments that they're not. Sometimes you're missing something because you don't know on the other side what they're going through. Yeah, it's spot on. So th- the takeaway for me is. Offer a level of service. Be very specific about what you're offering. Remain neutral across all clients. I don't think it's wrong to have an have affection, greater affection for some clients. That's just the nature of mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you can re- if you can remain neutral and still provide a, a quality level of service to what they're paying for, mm-hmm. and not allow your emotions or your ego to get in the way, then you shouldn't have an issue in the first place. Can I just say as well, just to add on to that, when you're saying when you're providing a quality quality level of service. It's also remembering in this instance that you are a business. So if you're doing all those extra perks and bonuses for someone because they're your favorite, you're not really in a good business mindset, are you? No, and you're overextending yourself. You're overextending yourself. You're giving away your time, your value for free as well. Absolutely. So you need to you need to reprimand yourself and, and stop that as well and, and change your pricing for those special bonuses that you're giving. Absolutely. Because once you set that in motion it's hard to break that pattern. Well, especially if you're in a, in a business where you're, you're always the one giving mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, and, and because your customers are the ones that are taking, they're mm-hmm. paying, they're mm-hmm. giving you money mm-hmm. as well, but I think you need to be able to separate that so that you, you better understand that they're also giving, they're just giving in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, but you can't overextend yourself, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you're absolutely spot on, so I don't know if I'm just repeating what you said. So. Okay, well done. Thanks All for right. repeating it. Yeah. Favorite child. Those chocolate brown eyes. We need to work on your favorite child because I'm going to have to have a conversation with your mom. Just let her know some of the things that I like about uh, you. You know I'm joking. You know I'm joking. I think, yeah. I'm going to have a conversation with her. And yeah. See what she I'm still the sickly child, though. Set just her straight. Yeah. When you meet her, you'll know that. There ain't nothing sickly about you. All right. Well, this has been fun. Thank you for your time, as always. I'm Devo. This is Lisa. Um, you can't see us because this is just a podcast, but in case you could, I just wanted to clarify which one of us was the